and Ziploc that Right on my waistline is why I kept that strap I remember nights, I didn't remember nights I damn near went crazy, I had to get it right Now I'm your favorite rapper's favorite rapper Hey, Now I'm your favorite trapper's favorite trapper The absolute truth, yeah, no joke Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back into the Trap Draw Podcast. My name is Randy, and I'm joined by Solly today. Solly, Mr. Chris Solomon, welcome to the Trap Draw. I feel like you don't get around these parts too often, so it's great to have you in for a chat. I don't, but if I if I do know the protocol here, I believe we owe Mr. Jeezy a thank you. I don't. I think that's how it's supposed to start, right? You're absolutely correct. Go ahead and formally thank him. Yeah, we, uh, muchas gracias, Senor Jeezy. Uh, grazie. I just come back from Italy. Uh, I, I was really working on my Italian. I understand you are potentially working on some foreign language stuff uh, as well in some of your free time. Uh, I don't know if that's public information yet, but uh, excited for our topic today. We are going to be speaking about baseball. Uh, baseball recap. I can just feel the people's excitement as they're listening. Yes, they've been dying to talk baseball. We're going to get into specifically some Cincinnati Reds baseball. Even it's it's been a hell of a season. I think it was a surprising season, a very good surprise. And you and I uh, kind of had this peg to to chat through it. I'm curious, you know, your your return to baseball. We'll get into all of that stuff, but we're going to be baseball heavy today. Um, I have been doing French lessons on Duolingo now for I just crossed the year mark. I'm picking up a little, you know, I, I can read a little something, something, a long way from being able to do anything of value, but uh, it's a fun little thing when I'm sitting on the couch watching a baseball game, for instance. So before we dive in any further, we got some sponsors to thank. Let me start off the top. Uh, I want to thank two of them. And the first one is our good friends at Roback, Roback Activewear. You all know Roback. These guys understand quality. And there's only one way to describe Roback that is best fit, best feel. And now that fall is here, it's the perfect time to load up with the best gear we own. First, their performance polos just hit different, whether it's USA themed designs, uh, very timely the last couple weeks or just their classic solids and stripes these polos look clean with four-way stretch and moisture wicking fabric these polos are perfect for a warm autumn day on the course second roback's performance hoodies are the stretchiest softest hoodies in golf if you want to be comfortable and relaxed on the course wear a roback hoodie you guys know we can't take them off and if you want to start your day right then start it in a roback hoodie and then third, Roback's performance Q-Zips are a game changer. Nothing beats rocking a Roback Q-Zip for an early round of golf. They're soft, they're stretchy, they're comfortable. We honestly can't take them off. So with fall here, head over to Roback.com, use code NLU for a generous 20% off your first order through the end of this week. That's spelled R-H-O-B-A-C-K.com. And that's 20% off all polos, Q-Zips, hoodies, and more with code NLU. Fall golf is here, so make sure to check them out now. Oh, Solly, I think we're going to roll right into a second uh, ad read here. Apologies, but we just got to we got to pay some bills around the trap draw. So Listen, the second sponsor, it's a pitch yeah, clock. Go ahead, got to get them in when you can. I mean, you <laughs> yeah. know, it's, it's tougher, tougher uh, landscape out here. Amen, amen. Uh, the second sponsor we want to thank Precision Pro. Did you know we have our own rangefinder and carrying case now? I know Solly knows that, but listeners, did you know that? 
We have partnered with our friends at Precision Pro Golf to customize the NX10 rangefinder with your favorite NLU designs to rep the pod on the course. Head to precisionprogolf.com slash NLU and use code NOLANGUP to save $20 on the rangefinder in case. We've been using the NX10 for almost a year, and this rangefinder is a tank. It locks onto targets lightning quick. And it's got a bunch of additional features such as slope switch, HD optics, and a magnetic cart mount, making the NX10 our go-to choice on the course. And you won't find a better customer care package in golf from free battery replacements to industry-leading customer service and a 90-day money-back guarantee. There is a reason Precision Pro has been our trusted partner for years. So don't wait. Go to precisionprogolf.com slash NLU to save $20 and get your NLU rangefinder and carrying case with code no laying up, all one word. All right, Solly, let's dive in here. You told me before we hit record, you're watching postseason baseball. I feel like that in and of itself is quite an upset. Um, who are you rooting for? Do you have a rooting interest now that our Reds have been eliminated from postseason play? Uh, it, it's kind of a, a process I go through of immediately if you're a division rival, you're out. Like I'm not rooting for you. Um, and then I just go by... Like if I have friends that are a fan of that team, I'm probably rooting against you. Like I want the least amount of people. Like I root for the Tampa Bay Rays because I don't know a single Rays fan, and like that's the most tolerable thing. Like I'd rather, you know, I'd rather much rather have that than like a cut the Cubs win, right? Because then I got to hear about it from oh, all my God. Cubs fan friends. Or you know, Cardinals of course are automatically eliminated. Philly, let's listen. Casey, we love Casey. She's a Phillies fan. I'll root for I'll root for the Phillies for her because she's a you know. A respected fan, but most of my friends uh, that are baseball fans, I'd rather your teams lose. I don't want to hear Braves fans crow at the end of this year. They've had a lot to celebrate this year, but like I'm, I'm going to be rude against you. I'm sorry. That's just that's just how I operate. I'm a hater. I'm filled with hate when it comes to baseball. Uh, but man, it's so weird to just be reflexing this baseball muscle this year. <laughs> it really is. I uh, we're going to dive into kind of how and why you've come back to baseball. I've been a baseball fan forever seemingly i totally agree with you about you know nl central teams i'm out i'm sorry brewers you know there was a time when you were the plucky upstart smart organization but you've just been too successful recently so i i cannot root for you um i'm kind of out on just large market teams in general which leaves me with miami and arizona uh our good friend ex-red johnny cueto pitches for the Marlins so I kind of gravitate there it's all just a little too fresh though because those are the two teams that uh, are really the reason why the Reds are sitting at home so I'm like you I don't have a maybe a strong rooting interest I the same thing applies in the American League give me the small market teams the Rays the Twins I, I would enjoy the Twins and honestly the Blue Jays you know sure. they're, they're a team that's been pretty good now for a few years but haven't reached a World Series or anything since uh, the early 90s, I believe. Yeah, Canada's yeah. far away. Like, we don't know too many, you know. <laughs> and they're super nice, so sure. We can, we can root for Toronto, for sure. Uh, playoff baseball, though, is a good thing to have going in the background, I feel like, especially these early rounds where you get a few games during the day. I, I feel like it's good, you know, kind of it's, it's going while I'm working at my computer. It's a lot like, I don't know, World Cup soccer. There are certain events that come along where it's like, ah, it's it's just nice to have it going while I'm trying to get some work done. And I think we'll talk probably about why, right? I mean, it's a it's an old, old, it's America's pastime. It's a very antiquated sport that's been weighted down. 
by for a long time by you know just archaic rules and approaches to so many things and so much has changed this year that uh, I was just very okay with kind of baseball fading into oblivion and not caring anymore. And again, against all odds, it totally flipped on me this year. And there's a lot of changes they've made that I think we can credit with that. I well, let's let's dive right in there because I think it's it warms my heart to hear you say that. I think um, being a baseball fan, certainly the last I don't know ten years is unless you live in a place like Boston or New York or some of these famous baseball cities, it can be a little lonely from time to time, you know, being a Reds fan, especially when I'm not in Cincinnati, it's just, you aren't quite sure how many people like you are out there. And since moving to Denver, the Rockies stink. Um, I have to credit though, people show up and it's Coors Field is a fantastic ballpark. I, I do enjoy going down there a couple times a year for for a game. Uh, I try to catch the Reds whenever they come through. But overall, it's like, yeah, I, I really like baseball, but I don't I, I don't really find myself connecting day to day with a ton of people that just love baseball. And so one of my favorite things, I give people a peek behind the curtain of uh, of no laying up. We have a big Slack uh, channel dedicated to baseball and Solly, I'll, I'll set you up here, but I, I, I truly feel like well, we can get into the rule changes. Obviously, the Reds having a young, exciting team was great for being a Reds fan specifically this year. But I also think the 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 immaculate grid, the, yeah. the baseball grid played a big part in like not only you and I, and I know DJ's kind of rejuvenated himself with baseball. Casey's always been a big baseball fan, but it seems like we got some critical mass building uh, with with NLU and and baseball, which is fun for me. Um, you got to credit Strap too. You guys did a whole Strap yeah, baseball spring training this year that I was like, it brought up a bunch of memories of uh, I played baseball growing up, and again, it used to be my. I mean, it was my jam as a kid in the nineties. Like in the summers, I would sleep in the basement on the pullout couch. And I would just watch like Sports Center and baseball tonight on repeat. I mean, I would I would see the Vlad Guerrero two home run games uh, two, three, four times through maybe at night. I just kept I'd stay up and play King Griffey Jr. baseball. I mean, I loved it. I loved fantasy baseball. I, I played it. It was my worst sport of any of the ones I played, but it was just <laughs> I loved it, man. Carlos Delgado. I mean, you you name it. Like all every every the, it, that's what has made the grid so nostalgic to flash back on and be like. Oh, Tony Batista. I totally forgot about that crazy stance he wore. That guy struck out all the time, but he hit a bunch of home runs. And I don't know. The, uh, I'm a numbers nerd. So, you know, the numbers side of baseball uh, really works in my favor. And, and yeah, it's, uh, again, I, I do owe you guys a fair amount of credit watching you play golf with Chris Welsh and, and just realizing how much time I'd spent watching him and listening to him and hear you talk about the impact he's had on your sports fandom. I was just like, man, that's right. I forgot this was a big thing uh, in my life. And it's, it's weird to get back into it in my late 30s. Uh, God, we, we were so similar. That, that was exactly how I always felt with baseball. And I think what really hooked me, and I'm curious if this is the case with you, we're both former accountants, which of course involves a lot of numbers, but it was always the statistics too of baseball that I loved. You know, checking, it began checking the box scores in the paper every morning, uh, you know, seeing who's hitting what. I, I love, you know, I could recite the, the team stats for most Reds guys growing up. 
so the numbers have always played a, a big part. Baseball tonight, there was no better show there for a while than baseball tonight um, with the crew going through all the best plays and the home runs. And God, that was a good show. And then, yeah, playing video games. We used to play pickup like baseball slash wiffle ball in the neighborhood. Like it was always a really, really uh, important part of, of my childhood. And I played up through my freshman year of high school. I played one year of JV baseball and then kind of made the decision to start playing basketball in the spring and summertime. So that was the end of my baseball career. But I've always just loved it. Um, I'll say specifically with the Reds. 1999 is the season I always go back to as I, I was a sophomore in high school and our buddies, my, my friend group, I mean, none of us could really drive yet. Uh, I guess it was the summer after my freshman year, before my sophomore year into then my sophomore year. So none of us could drive. We would take the bus downtown. You know, we'd, we'd, if, if you had $10 in your pocket, you could ride the bus downtown for 50 cents when the smog was up. You could buy a top five or top six row ticket at old Riverfront Stadium for like five bucks. And they used to sell the dollar hot dogs. So you could make a whole day out of it for less than $10, which was just like the best thing ever for bored high school kids that couldn't get themselves around. And, um, I think this season, we'll, we'll, I know I'm jumping ahead, but this season was the one with the Reds that most reminded me of 1999. And so I had a ton of fun really getting invested, a lot of young guys. Um, and yeah, it started in spring training, you know, back to that strapped episode. And I can vividly remember Chris Welsh, Barry Larkin, when we ran into him talking about like this team, I don't know how good this team is going to be, but we're going to be a lot better and we're going to win more games. And I remember thinking at the time, yeah, sure. I know like that's what you guys just have to say. You know, I I, I really want to know like your your true opinion. But they were they were steadfast and it proved to be a hundred percent true. The Reds were a great surprising team. They won 82 games. But Chris, let me let me backtrack here. Uh the big thing we, we talk about the grid. The grid's fun. You play the grid each day. Um the Reds are the Reds. We'll get into that. But how much of a how, how much did the rule changes play a part in bringing you back to the game, or at least initially making you curious again about the game of baseball? Well, let me go back a bit to say I, I was a huge, huge baseball fan, uh, as mentioned. Uh, but even into my like adulthood, like the two thousand eight ish Red, two thousand six Reds made a really decent run. They sucked yeah. in 07, but oh eight was a little fake out as well. And like I, <laughs> yeah. Jay Bruce, Joey Votto, like uh, Johnny Cueto, there was a lot of stuff brewing there. They they took Josh Hamilton in a rule five draft and they ended up trading him way too soon. And there was just some stuff brewing. And I got really into it in that time period. And I mean, they were just coming off just years and years and years and years of not ever being competitive. And they won the division in 2010 and man, they got run out of the playoffs really quickly by the Phillies. But remember they got no hit in the very oh, first game. Holiday first game. Roy Halliday. Yeah. I was so excited. I had bought a sweatshirt, Reds playoff sweatshirt, and sitting down and watching them get no hit in the very first game. I was like, 
Oh, uh, yeah, we, we are still Cincinnati sports fans. Like this, this is the yeah. the kick in the groin that I should have expected. I mean, this is three years off of the, the West Virginia Pitt game that still haunts me in terms of like <laughs> yeah. the worst losses you could possibly have. Like I just felt cursed as a sports fan. They won like 96 games or something like that in 2012, went on the road and beat the Giants in the first two games of the wild card series or the of the of their postseason series. And all they had to do was win one game at home and in th- out of three. And the Giants came into town and beat them in all three and went on to win the World Series. And, dude, I, I'm not kidding. Like, it had a, an effect on me. Like, it had a, a, an effect that made me uncomfortable of, like, how much I hated sports. And, like, the next year they get into the wild card. It's a one-game playoff. Johnny Cueto pitching in Pittsburgh. And he just got shelled. And the crowd was harassing him. It was a horrible yeah. night. And I again, I went into like a dark, a deep dark hole, and I was just like, "Why do I care about sports this much? Like, why, why am I doing this?" And then the next year was when I got an offer to go move overseas, and I was kind of like, "You know what, man? Like, it might be time to like do a little something different. Like, you're kind of letting sports drag you down a little bit. Like, you're not even playing in these events, and like, there, there's nothing really here that's really providing. I mean, it's entertainment, but like, man, what do you do with your life?" And went abroad for three years, and I'm I'm sure you probably just ex- I mean Reds have been in a in a, in a postseason hunt this past couple of weeks. I'm sure you experienced this when you're over in Spain for the Solheim Cup. Following baseball over there is really hard. Everything happens yeah. completely middle of the night, and you just wake up and see a score. And I think the fun part of baseball is tracking. You don't even have to be watching it, but you can be tracking the game, right? You can be all right. What's oh, it's in the fourth. They're down three one right now. Or like, oop, but space is loaded. I'll check in the game. Like if you got other stuff going on, it's fun to track. It's not that fun just to read the box score the next day and watch none of it. So three years go by and man, I've lost track of all American sports, like everything, right? I don't know who Carson Wentz is. I don't know who any of, like who the top baseball players are. Um, I don't, couldn't even tell you who won the World Series when I, you know, I was obsessed with this. So I come back and like the shift has really taken off in baseball. And now we're in the stat cast era, which and now I really enjoy learning about exit velocities and launch angles and all that stuff. But I, I didn't know what anybody was talking about. The game was unfamiliar and it slowed down. The Reds sucked. And I was just like, dude, I've been fine without this in my life for the last three years. Like, I don't, I did not feel the need to reinvest because the games were so hard to watch. I still enjoyed following the minor leagues, like following the prospects. And like, I would, you know, tune into a bunch of Aristides Aquino at bats because I'm like, (laughs) oh, he's the future. And like, I would still pop in, but I could never sit and watch a game ever again. And this year was a unique year. My wife and I had a baby or my wife had the baby uh, and we had a child. And like I was I was home for three straight months, which I haven't been since we've done this job. And like they had some exciting prospects come up and I flip on a game and it's like, holy shit, this pitch clock changes everything. This changes everything. The shift band changes everything. The, the, the excitement of the ball being back in play and rolling around the field, base running, going base to bases back in play when it had just become mathematically like, hey, this isn't worth it anymore. Like just hit home runs. Who cares if you strike out and draw walks? And the Reds had guys that couldn't do any of those things. So it flipped all of a sudden. Now the Reds had guys that fit this new mold of play. The games were watchable, exciting young talents. There's nothing better in baseball than having an exciting prospect come up and knowing you got this guy for like six years. Like it's just, it's so fun to like picture what can happen. And it all kind of came together in one miraculous year. And I don't know, man, I'm, I feel like I'm back and I feel like it stays this time around. I, I'm curious what your journey's kind of been like over the last several years. It's, it's sticky. God, I love to hear that. Um, yeah, it mirrors yours, you know. 
2010, 2012 was such a fun season. I was actually at uh, all three of those playoff home games where they lost to the Giants to to lose 3-2. Um, I can still remember Scott Rowland striking out with the bases loaded in game five. That was tough. 2013, you know, and then into 14-15, kind of hanging on to that core of players and the realization setting in that like this, this is this is kind of the end with with that Jay Bruce, Johnny Cueto, Bronson Arroyo, uh, Todd Frazier group, et cetera, et cetera. And then, yeah, some, some dark years. And I think that's, that's where my fandom really got tested. Um, was kind of the late 20 teens. Um, I was really excited the year before COVID when they went out and started with that Trevor Bauer trade and, um, that offseason they signed Mustakis and Castellanos. And I was like, hey, they're they're, you know, the the front office, they're they want to go field a competitive team. They're, you know, I wouldn't say they're like full going for it, but they're making an effort, which when you're a Reds fan, like it's that's <laughs> rare. That's not a given. Yeah, that's not a given. And then COVID happens, right? And so then, you know, the momentum of that offseason gets derailed. You come into the COVID shortened year. They end up making the playoffs, but did not score a run. And I want to say, like, they played two games against the Braves, lost them both. And I don't think they scored a run. It, it was just excruciating. And then they tore it all down. And that's when I was like, what if, what am I doing here? You know, I was I was so hopeful that they were building something. They had made these free agent signings. And um, they completely changed course. They bought them out in 2022. They lose 100 games for, you know, as long as the Reds have been around, it's it's still pretty rare for them to lose 100 games. And more so, you add in, you know, Phil Castellini with his infamous comments before opening day 2022 to the effect of, you know, where are you going to go? What are the fans going to do? Like, you just got to accept this. And I was pissed. I, I remember saying to myself, like, I am not going to go to Great American Ballpark until something changes. I did not go in 2022. I, you know, I was home in Cincinnati a couple times and just had no interest. And honestly, that was probably the season I paid attention the least amount. Um, I still love to put on games on the radio or just on the TV if I'm if I'm hanging out. Like, I, I can't quit baseball. But I found myself wavering, and honestly, fast forward to spring of 2023 and spring training and that strap trip, I mean, you said it kind of awakened something in you. It, it honestly did the same thing for me. I had never been to spring training, and just being out there in the desert in, in Phoenix, in Goodyear, Arizona, and just being up close, I, I it sounds so cliche, and everybody had told me that's what spring training was like, that's what made spring training so awesome i was like yeah 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 it can't be that like can't be that awesome but it was like going to the reds facility just hanging out for i don't know we were there maybe three hours watching the drills kind of making small talk with a few people watching vado do defensive work on the backfields i was just like this is why i love baseball and i think i'm i, I wasn't expecting much this year but i did know i at least appreciated that the young talent was was coming and the reds were cultivating young talent and they were gonna they were gonna live or die on that young talent this year and 
a lot of guys made their major league debuts, uh, headlined by Ellie De La Cruz, probably the the kind of the consensus at one point, the best minor league prospect. And it just was I I, I was so cautiously um that's not the right word. I I, I it took me a while though. No, like even if the team wasn't gonna compete, it was kind of like all right, there's interest here, right? It I mean, was a brand of baseball. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and they were playing a brand of baseball that was exciting. They were running a ton. They were fast. They were taking extra bases. And, and that's exactly to your point where like, if you're not going to be like the best team, at least at least be young. At least give me reason to dream and play an exciting brand of baseball. And the Reds checked all of those boxes this year. Um and now I think it's to a point, I, again, disappointing not to make the playoffs this year. I think we both had zero expectations had they made the playoffs. But like for the first time, I'm like truly excited about an offseason and like the next five, six years, let's say, of, of Cincinnati Reds baseball. There's a competitive window that has now formed. And it's like, okay, now I can see in the next three, four, five years. Like this is a team that should be in a in a league championship series if things go well, right? That's that's not an outrageous expectation. And to get to that point so quickly after like being in the pits of despair last year is kind of shocking to me. Um it, so just, like, if, yeah, if I feel rejuvenated. Follow, yeah, if people don't follow the Reds closely, I don't blame you one uh if you're listening to the trap draw, but like truly I cannot think of a time in not in any franchise's history uh, off the top of my head. I know this has existed, but the Reds have one player under contract next year. One. And that's not a, that's not a, the, you know, that's not at the end of the era. It's a beginning. Like they have a ton of players under control, but they literally have zero contracts holding them back from anything next year. Their minimum, like their starting payroll, as soon as you factor in arbitration and all the, you know, the, the, Pre-arbitration raises are going to go in. Their payroll is going to be like somewhere in the forty to forty-five million dollar range. They owe seven million dollars to Joey Votto as a buyout, but it is truly as clean of a slate as you possibly could have. They have an entire uh, starting infield of rookies. They've trade. They have landed a couple good uh, outfielders via trade. They developed some good outfielders. Uh, they have starting pitching that, with everything lines up great, they're in good position. Uh, but they are have such a small payroll that they have an opportunity to actually make some decent splashes in free agency and fill some gaps and commit and com compete immediately. And I think like I think our dream is an Astros situation. I mean, if you remember again when I was kind of like leaving baseball, the Astros were a punchline. I mean, they were horrific. They were the biggest joke. Yeah, they were the biggest joke in baseball. But they were they were kind of bottoming out, getting rid of all the payroll, winning fifty games a year, whatever it was. But it was like, all right, stacking draft picks and kind of a trust the process situation. It turns into a cheating World Series, but a World Series title, <laughs> uh, and then a second one. But it turns into it, it kind of snowballs, right? It's like, all right, well now we got attendance because we're good, and so now we can afford to extend the players that we brought up, and now like the window for the Reds payroll, like. What's a realistic number by the end of this six-year window? I mean, could we see 175 million, 200 million dollar payroll? Like, if the if the interest is there, if the ticket sell, sales are there, if they're competing for championships, all of a sudden you have I, 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 our fear, our natural way of thinking as a, as fans of small market teams is, I mean, get it while you can, and then it's everyone's nice. going to leave anyways. But 
like I with it lining up this well, do you have a chance to, you know, out earn your payroll so much that you can start investing in these players and keeping them long term? Kind of how I mean, bad example because he ended up, you know, in a very uh, a, a very bad situation. But like Wander Franco signed a two hundred million dollar extension with Tampa Bay to be there for twelve years or whatever it was. Julio Rodriguez did that with Seattle, and like that's where, like I think there's a chance for. Um, a, a team for the whole city to like fall in love with all over again and root for and and really be invested. In. It got kind of hard there for a while where it's like, all right, Kyle Farmer's in, Castellanos in, Votto's still a, a mainstay from the previous team, and we have Castillo and 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 Tyler Malley and Sonny Gray, but like it just it, it, it we're gonna see the same group of guys play together for a fairly long period of time. I have a feeling, and that's just something that uh, really gets burned into people's memories and affection for those guys. I think that's I think that's very well said. Exactly right. Um, I, I I think over the next however many years, you hit the nail on the head with our typical mindset is, well, God, we got maybe two good years. You better enjoy it, and then I'll prepare myself for you know five or six awful years. And I, I really do hope that they can find a way to to have that Houston Astro esque run of sustainability right um i maybe they won't be able to spend as much as houston but it would be nice to kind of go on a prolonged honestly the st louis cardinals are probably the franchise and i know saying that this year they've they've kind of bottomed out for the first time in a long time but it was like the cardinals were always the model right where they they were always just their, their floor was Hey, we're we're a decent baseball team was their floor. And then with some some minor league development, promoting guys within, a couple, you know, shrewd roster moves, maybe a deadline trade or two. It's like, oh yeah, the Cardinals, they won 88 games and somehow won the Central again this year. And you get into the playoffs enough times and it's it's kind of a roll of the dice. It's like to me the whole thing is just just get into the playoffs, give yourself enough opportunities uh to maybe you know, sneak away with the World Series title. God, that would be incredible. But before we dive, I, I, I've been saying before, 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 I want to get into the Reds. But Solly, let's, you, we've mentioned, we've kind of danced around the rule changes. I want to specifically go through, because I have some good stats now that the season has concluded um, on some of these new rules that were put in place. The biggest one, I think the one that had all the attention, rightfully so at the beginning of the year, was Major League Baseball was instituting a pitch clock. So prior, there was never any clock in between pitches, in between batters. Um, it was just purely, you know, the batter wants to step out, fix his batting gloves. The pitcher wants to walk around the mound a couple times. Like, they were free to do whatever they wanted. They started a few years ago in the minor leagues instituting a pitch clock. Uh, it was 15 seconds between pitches from the same pitcher to the same batter. And then I believe 20 seconds or 25 seconds between batters. And that was brought up to the major league level this year, this year being the first year, the game time. Solly, are you ready? The, the average time of a major league baseball game across 2023 was two hours and 39 minutes, which is down 24 minutes from 2022, where the average game took three hours and three minutes. I mean, I think unequivocally, this was like the best thing baseball could have ever done. 
it was a shock, right? I mean, it, it's, and again, it's, it, I think, I know we're not allowed to talk golf on the trap draw, but I think that there's a, a part of the reason why I've been so intrigued by all of this is to like watch a sport bounce back. They've had a, what, nine to 10% increase in attendance in, uh, in baseball alone this year to watch the ratings kind of bounce back, to watch uh, just interest ba- uh, bounce back is like, uh, gives me a little hope for golf to actually make some changes. It'll probably be eight years from now, like they're eight years behind on everything, but it, it, um, they test a lot of stuff in the minor leagues, right? And there's stuff that's being tested in the current minor leagues that has a chance to streamline baseball. And they, uh, robotic umpires is a, a huge thing that I'm, I'm very ready for. If you could, uh, you could <laughs> tell from our text messages, I send you the ump scorecards whenever they don't favor the reds and it pisses me off a lot. Like they tested this stuff in the minor leagues. Um, that's a benefit of collective bargaining where you can, uh, you know, when guys are in their developments of their careers can say, Hey, you're going to be testing this for us. Golf has not afforded that. You can't go to the Cord Ferry Tour and say, "Hey, you're going to test a rollback uh, golf ball for us." It just it's just not how uh, how that uh, that works. But it speaks to like a willingness to change on a lot of fronts, a lot of things. Uh, they've had a long had an archaic archaic policy of no gifs, no highlights on social media. Like it's got to come from us. If you're, a t- I mean, it used to be so ridiculous. Randy. They would have it even as of like 2018. If you were a team, you could only create like two highlights per game or something like that on your actual team account. The rest had to come from MLB. And they finally just said, fuck it and let it go. And like they've they've let uh, now I can't open my phone without seeing baseball highlights of some kind. There's a bunch of great Twitter follows that just keep you up to speed on things going on around the league. And, you know, when the fights happen and when the fun things happen, like it's just top of mind. And they finally took a hint from Adam Silver in the NBA that, that, you know, their approach of just saying, like, this is an appetizer for you that I think is going to help encourage you to enjoy the main meal. And obviously we could use golf kind of learning a lot of the, uh, on that front as well, but it just, it speaks to like, yeah, it might've taken them a long time, but they figured some stuff out and that pitch clock, man, like I said, I would pop into games from time to time, but I couldn't keep my attention. And now it is like pretty hard to look down at your phone in between pitches. Like it is, it does move that quickly and uh, it does keep your attention and it's not a three and a half hour commitment anymore. It's that's so well stated. Uh, I want to shout out like John boy media. Yes was one of the first in baseball i feel like that came onto my radar and did a great job with just you know he'd break down the the fights and do the the lip reading and you know say what the guys were saying that was really good there's the pitch ninja um account that kind of overlays different pitches and and like shows how impossible it is to, to hit a baseball uh but yeah the 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 pitch clock and specific, I, I we we try to avoid golf, but it just is. It just feels like a no brainer, um, especially after spending a weekend at the Solheim Cup. You were just at the Ryder Cup. I mean, I, I think the the pace of play at the Solheim Cup was like five hours and forty minutes, maybe for foursomes, something like that. And you're just like, how much of this could be avoided? And, and it got me thinking, like, how much better would both the in-person viewing experience and the television viewing experience be with with a very defined shot clock where, listen, I, I think part of golf is, part of it is in the judging conditions and taking into account a ton of different variables. And then the other big part of golf is like executing the best you can given what you think about those variables. And it just doesn't make sense to me that like the best players in the world can 
should be able to like back off a shot until the wind is just how they want it to be. It's like, no, I want to see the best players in the world like have to hit a shot while the wind is like up and it's not necessarily like the most comfortable environment for them. Um and and it it's just like if we can do this stuff in a sport like baseball with tradition, like if there is a sport that is hates to break from its own tradition, yeah. it's baseball. And the pitch clock this year, I thought it, it was such a no doubt home run, if you'll excuse the pun, for the sport and for the viewing experience and the in-person experience. It, it just is like w- why golf wouldn't even consider right doing some things on its developmental tours, the PGA specifically, to at least test this stuff. Like that's what leaves me just shaking my head is like you have the PGA Tour Canada, you have the Latino America Tour, you have, I don't know, work with some other like mini tours, but try to get to a solution that pushes the game forward because as baseball showed us this year, it the results can like it worked. And it's amazing for me to say because I was like, I would be the most cynical person about baseball and its leadership and like, oh yeah, they whatever they try, they're it's not gonna be successful. But it's like they nailed these rule changes. Which like the shift ban, yeah. man, uh, that might be more important than the pitch clock to me. I mean, it was such a joke to watch, uh, you know, guys, especially the left-handed pitching, watch the shortstop shift over the second base. That was another thing too. When I got back into baseball, it was like all right, you know, Joey Votto, it's a line drive right up the middle. Why the fuck is the shortstop standing there? Because like this- growing up, yeah, growing up, you were conditioned with the ball reacting off the bat certain ways off a television camera. You'd be like, oh, that's a base hit up the middle. And yeah. and yes, so often you'd be like, wait, why is there a fielder there? That That's not right. And then it, when it really seeped down into like, hey, I can put the second baseman in right field. I can shift the shortstop over here. And I now that dictates how I can pitch you. Like I'm only going to pitch you inside. Like you only have the opportunity to hit uh, hit a pole here. To watch it kind of almost ruin Joey Votto's career was just like, dude, this product is dead. Like I do not need to watch this at all. It's it's the most exciting part of baseball is not a home run. I think it is when the ball is in play and you're wondering, can a guy get an extra base? Can they hit the cutoff man? Can they throw him out? Like that buzz of a crowd, uh, you know, while a ball is in play. That is what has returned this year, like just watching slap hits again and balls, you know, kind of reach corners and things that, uh, and gaps that, that, that it wouldn't with the, with the shift going on. That's like my equivalent to a rolled back golf ball, uh, mm-hmm. in that the, it's become so bomby in golf that the excitement of the ball and the ground, like it's just natural, right? If a wedge is not going to roll out as much as an eight iron will. So like, it, you know, having the ball, uh, become what, how do I say this? Like having when it became more home run centric is like the bomb bomb and gouge equivalent of ba- of yeah. golf, right? And that's just not exactly that fun right. to watch. It's not, and so it's to watch like a different. Now there's different playing styles that can work. It's gonna listen. A worry of mine with the Reds is like they kind of caught lightning in a bottle in terms of their personnel with this rule change. They're a speedy team. They're one of the most aggressive teams on the bases. Like it's gonna catch up. Like other teams are gonna catch up on this front, but uh, it's just wild to 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 watch it be done a different way, other than just having to slug the ball out of the park. Amen. And that's where, over the last few years, compounding, you know, the Reds having some bad teams was like the style of play was just outright boring. Yeah. And there were there were Major League Baseball players, our favorite player, Joey Votto, would talk about it, like. 
the, the most important thing for baseball is to put a product, to put a style of play before people that's exciting, that people want to watch, that shows off the athleticism and skill of its players. And with the shift and everything going on with that, it just took away from showcasing the, the greatness of the players in a lot of circumstances. Hey guys, Randy here, jumping in to thank one last sponsor, and that is our partner, AG1, the daily foundational nutrition supplement that supports whole body health. I drink it literally every day. I gave AG1 a try because I hated taking the pills and vitamins and wanted a supplement that actually tastes great. And covering my nutritional bases for the day literally couldn't be easier, which is why I trust AG1. I mix one small scoop with water. I drink it first thing in the morning before I have my coffee. Boom, I'm done. On top of that, I also like that it costs less than $3 a day, which is pretty good if you ask me. It's a really effective daily habit with high-quality sourced ingredients. Just makes for a win-win. Since I've been drinking AG1, I've noticed an overall feeling of just more sustained energy and also improved digestion thanks to a science-driven formulation of vitamins, probiotics, and whole food source nutrients. And if a comprehensive solution is what you need from your supplement routine, then try AG1 and get a free one-year supply of vitamin D and five free AG1 travel packs with your first purchase. Just go to drinkag1.com slash trapdraw. That's drinkag1.com slash trapdraw. Check it out. They're a great partner of ours. And now back to the episode. So this year, Solly, um, team batting average across the league came out to 248 was the the league-wide batting average. Uh, last year, it was 243. 2021, it was 244. 2020, it was 245. So when 2019, it was 252. So not like a dramatic difference in terms of total batting average. But when you dive into the numbers, you do start to see uh, the ground ball, the, the batting average on ground balls was also 248 this year, up from 241 the last two years, 237 in 2020. So you did have more ground balls getting through the infield, which was great. The left-handed batter ground ball batting average this year was 239 as opposed to 226 last year, 232 in 2021. 215 in 2020. So those left-handed hitters putting the ball on the ground, um, the ball was getting through. So I I love what they did banning the shift. Um, I think, listen, the NBA, they, they have certain things as you can do as a team on defense and certain things you can't do as a team. I don't think that takes away from my enjoyment of basketball just as these shift rules, I don't think, not only did it not take away from my enjoyment, it added enjoyment to the game of baseball for me. Um, the other thing I was going to say, the stolen bases. So the, the other, I think, big rules maybe at the start of the year, they expanded the base itself slightly, and they also limited the number of pickoff attempts or disengagements a pitcher can uh, have during each plate appearance to a, to a single batter. And the results was stolen bases attempts per game were up 32% in 2023 from 2022. Successful steals per game were up 41% this year compared to last year. Um, 
0.72 bases were stolen per game, which, you know, less than one doesn't sound like a lot, but that 0.72 is the most since at least 1998. So these rules were encouraging teams to run more. The Reds actually led baseball in stolen bases. They stole 180 as a team. Um, and the stolen base percentage as, as a, across baseball a success rate of 80.2 which also is at least the highest in 25 years going back to 1998 i only went back 25 years that's the highest it's been so you know i i think it's encouraged teams to run more it's it's letting guys show off their speed and athleticism it's bringing excitement to the game and if i may say big yeah i think i'd be fine with three disengagements two is Two's not one. Yeah, it feels a little too easy to steal now. I, I think it's just a little bit. Um, I mean, it, it's it's just weird that if you throw over twice, like they can basically steal on their own. You know. Do you remember how many pitchouts you used to see? Yeah. And I was I thought we'd see more pitchouts this year with especially once teams a pitcher went through their allotted disengagements. I thought we'd see an, like, oh, here's a clear pitchout if they think the runner's going, and I didn't see much of that, which. I, I don't know. I, I I was a little surprised by that. And I also didn't see the catchers throwing behind the runner like back to first base as much as I thought we would. Um but yeah, I would I would listen to three. I think it's it's a great first step. And then if we want to fine tune that, uh so be it. I would keep the shift. I'm I'm totally good keeping the shift, the the, the new rule there. And we've both said that we love the pitch clock. So I'm I'm glad they're doing know. the pitch clock in the playoffs too. I know that was a topic of discussion. And again, you you if you want to introduce your product to I, I don't know about you, I don't watch any baseball outside of the Reds, right? I, I just don't it's not a game. I, I'll watch any NFL team play, but I don't ever watch other teams play baseball. I don't have the it's patience. It's a regional game. Yep. Yeah. And but like I'm I'm intrigued in the play. Like if they got rid of the the uh, I mean part of the reason people don't watch the playoffs and the ratings are horrible is they just go into the middle of the night because the relievers just take forever. Another rule that yeah. not, that was not new this year, right? About um, it, relievers when they come in have to face at least three batters, so it's not pitching change after pitching change after pitching Correct. change. I forget when that was, but um, that's another huge shift of just moving things along and strategy and and not making. Uh, you know, kind of cheap managerial decisions late in games as well. So, I hate to say this too. I st- was staunchly opposed to instituting the designated hitter in the <laughs> National great. League. It's it's fine. I'm used it's to great. it. Come on. Uh, yeah, I don't know if it's great, but I, I it didn't ruin baseball like I was expecting it to. It does make the leagues, I, I feel like now, and especially with t- every team playing every other team in the same season, I feel like the divisions and the leagues themselves have kind of lost a little bit of meaning. Like, like they're very just arbitrary now. There, there's nothing that separates the National League from the American League anymore. I'm with you there. I don't know if that's a good or bad thing. Um, I you know, do I do I like that the Reds got to face Shohei Otani this year instead of playing the Pirates 19 times? I mean, yeah, that makes more sense, right? I like it. Yeah, yeah 
it's weird. It was really weird down the stretch to be like, all right, well, the Marlins are playing, you know, the Rockies tonight and we are playing the Guardians tonight. And like, that's what's going to decide the playoffs. It was really weird in the final stretch. Usually they had divisional matchups late that kind of helped you decide things, but it was really weird to be kind of playing random teams and have random rooting interest. But man, it's nice for, for, for fans that are displaced and not in living in the region of their favorite team, like to be able to have the option uh, to go see your favorite team almost, almost every year, right? It's not every, you don't go to every, every team's home park. Do you No, you'll alternate. So at least with like the American league teams. Yeah. So, um, so that, that, that seems like another strong, strong uh, development in baseball. Yeah. I'm with you there. I would have, it was either like they had to, I was almost for completely abolishing interleague play or going to something which they've done where it's like, just have everybody really play everybody. Um, the the old interleague play didn't make much sense to me. It, it, it seemed antiquated. Um, but see, and it's like- nice for like planning some road trips for next year too, because it's sure. like, oh, you know, uh, the team's going to go to so many more cities or ballparks uh, every two years that it, you know, I can get to like Seattle, right? The Reds are up in Seattle next summer. It's like, I'd love to go up there to watch the Reds play. But uh, the designated hitter, I really enjoy maybe just because the Reds personnel matches up really well for it currently. Yeah. <laughs> it adds so much flexibility, right? I mean, if you can just, just accumulate talent, just accumulate bats and you can find at bats for him, you can find a place for him. You can, the Reds have a little glut of infielders right now, which is like, hey, that's not a problem if you can slide people into the DH slot. And uh, we can talk about the Joey Votto decision coming up and, and possibly him coming back. He would never be coming back to the Reds if there was no DH spot next year. And, that's a great uh, point. It, yeah. it's, if if the DH gives me one more year of Votto in a Reds uniform, then I will never speak an, an ill word of it. So you're all in on him coming back. He has to come back next year. I would love for him to come back, especially after he got ejected in his first plate <laughs> appearance in what could have been his last game as a Red. I, I just feel like one is just my favorite athlete ever. So selfishly would love watching another year of him, right? That's that's the baseline. Two, I think a veteran presence, uh, having spent his whole career in Cincinnati, if he could be a part of like a young playoff team, that's just fun. Like that's what sports are all about. And then three, I, I still, I refuse to doubt Joey Votto. And so if he wants to play and if he gets an off season to work without, you know, having to come back from surgery and, and is relatively healthy, I still think he could produce, you know, I don't think he's going to be an MVP candidate, but I think he could be an asset, especially out of the DH position. For the listener's sake, Joey Votto's 40 years old now. He has been with the Reds since 2007 is when he made his uh, his first appearance. His full rookie year was in 2008. He signed a, uh, I believe it was a 12-year, $225 million extension, Correct. Uh, which just finished, and the club has an option to pick it up next year for $20 million. The buyout is $7 million, so really it's a, a $13 million decision. They have... Uh, a new first base prospect that has just finished up his rookie year, Christian Encarnacion Strand, who was uh, uh, acquired via trade last year uh, from the Minnesota Twins. He is lying in wait. He had an awesome end to his season. He looks like the slugger of the future for the Reds. So the spot availability is a question mark, I think. And 
man, it's I'm so with you. You just don't see um, athletes of this caliber. Joey Votto is a Hall of Famer. We're not even going to have that conversation. We're not. We're not debating that. We're not. That's we're not, not debating we're not that. that. We're not doing that. Um, spend their whole year with a small market team and like, hey man, there was like no hope from 2015 on that, there, that this thing was going to turn around. He could have asked out. He could have wanted. He just has showed up and dedicated himself to a the city and the team for almost two decades now. It's like it's remarkable. It really is remarkable. He's so approachable. He has an incredible approach to media and just uh his work ethic. But man, I, I waver on this day to day. Um I don't I'd be fine. Let me just say I'm not sure they need to pick up the twenty million dollar no, option. But if that. there's a path to pay the buyout and then bring him back on a three, four, five million dollar deal, something like that, I, I think Something that would make sense for both sides. Count me in. I'm back and forth on this one, big, because um, it, it when it goes, it goes. We don't know if it's gone, but like the saddest ending would be a year where like he just he, he can't hit anymore, and they kind of feel obligated to play him. Like that's the part that you know is he comfortable with getting thirty percent of starts at DH and first base total? Like I think he would have to be to come back. Um, yeah. I'm also open to like him coming back in like June uh, after, you know, kind of take the cool months off. And then like when it starts to yeah, get warm, he, he like, never starts well. Anyway, April has always been his worst month. Um, it, it's, it's hard. I don't want it to be over because they didn't give him the proper send off. If it is over. Um, I, I think he, you know, maybe does, I don't know the Miguel Cabrera tour was kind of silly. I don't think he's going to command that, but it's it just would be good to know that we're watching the end. It didn't it felt rushed at the very end, kind of his yeah. last couple at bats in Cincinnati. And it just he's been incredible, incredible player. Over nine hundred career OPS as he's into his forties, um, including some rough years on the back end. Like he's just been such an incredible stud. And uh it's just a weird, weird thing, weird time period of uh, you know, it's gonna be all young guys and a forty year old if he does come back next year. What 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 grade would you put on the 2023 Reds? Um, a minus. I mean, it probably like should be an A, but like my expectations did change when it, we realized that this crop of guys was was very real, and it was such a sustain. So the Reds had a slow start. They called up a bunch of prospects and just got so unbelievably hot in June that it was kind of like all right. They would just steal a win and be like, "All right, I know, I know, something's coming on the back end. I know you baseball teams always find their equilibrium, but it just kept happening. They won 28 out of 40 games at one point, and it was just so sustainable. And then injuries really hit them, and man, they just kind of had a felt like they had a little panic at the plate there for like a month. They chased everything. Part of the reason I really enjoyed getting back into them was watching their patience at the plate, like it. I looked this up at one point. Their chase rate last year was like 30%, which is just <laughs> horrific. And it had fallen to 24, which is like best in the league. And like that's the brand of baseball I love. It's so fun when guys are patient, working working counts, just constantly making pitchers work. And the offense went dry um, at a certain point. Injuries caught up with them. And I, I, they just had some serious opportunities in those last two months and didn't capitalize on them. 
they weren't fully ready for the push. They didn't have depth, which I actually don't blame the Reds on at all. I don't think they should have been trying to build depth for this last year because they, if you're looking at this to start last year, they, they should not have been involved, right? And I don't want to just waste money just to be like semi-competitive. I don't, I really don't blame them. I don't blame them for not making deadline moves, but man, it was there for the taking. Um, it's an expanded playoffs now. Like the, the, the opportunities are just bigger. I think we, we can kind of trick ourselves into thinking the year was better than it was just because the, the playoffs are expanded and they were that, that close to that yeah. final six spot, you know? I, I think that's right. I Correct. The the extra wild cards, that brings so many more teams into it. I was going to ask you specifically about the trade deadline and whether if you could go back in time knowing what we know now, finishing two two wins short of a wild card spot, would you want the front office to do things differently to go out and get let's say a Michael Lorenzen or uh, Jack Flaherty. I'm trying to think of some pitchers that were on the move at the deadline. I, I was I was very much on what was it July 31st or whenever the deadline is now August 1st. I did not want them to deal from their core of exceptional position players let alone like the major league guys that they have some really good prospects still in the minors um, on the infield. I wanted them if, if they could have added an arm or a bat for low cost. Great. I still don't think I would change much. And I know that sounds crazy because I, I said at the beginning of the podcast, like you're just trying to get into the playoffs and roll the dice. But, but I, 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 I think with that thinking, my expectation is this offseason is going to be both very important and very active. I, I expect the Reds to make a big trade or two from an area of surplus, perhaps the infield, uh, for an area of need, which always will be pitching. Um, but I think also they could use you know, a right-handed outfield bat. There, there, there's some spots around the team that need addressed. So, yeah, w- would you go back and change anything at the deadline? I, I, I wouldn't, man. I, and they traded uh, a prospect named Joe Boyle for uh, Sam Mole, who's a lefty reliever. They needed to pick up a lefty reliever. I was fine parting with Boyle. Uh, his walk rate was horrific uh, in the minor leagues. And he came up with the A's to finish the season and was absolutely fucking dealing. Like in our, the, the <laughs> yeah, trade they did make, yeah. I'm like, ah, oh, God, we gave up. And Mole was good, though. To their Mole credit, was Mole was good. Like, Boyle was a power, real arm. And it's just, it, I, can be, I can be a prospect hugger. I really can. I know it doesn't really matter what fans think, <laughs> but I, I, I do fall in love with our own prospects and don't want to trade them. But um, it's, it's, I think we have, with all the changes we're talking about, we have to talk about the change in the how a market is going to work at the deadline now because there's more teams in the hunt the asking prices for big pieces are just going to be bigger i think a bunch of teams way overpaid for a lot of guys i mean the angels gave up a great catching prospect to the to the white Sox uh for lucas giolito and then they cut him a month later like they just gave up uh, six years of control for a, a really nice catcher for a month of production uh for a pitcher it's just really risky moves that hey it, it, this was not the year. This was never the year. The Reds were probably more than one move away um, from doing from 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 getting there. So I don't blame them for not doing something. The deadline. I think the price, the deadline, is is higher than it is in the off season. 
I, I really do think it is. I think teams can kind of make situational um, moves to say like, hey, this is my one chance. I, I'm fine overpaying and taking a risk. That means if I got, you know, a Verlander, it gets me into the World Series. Whereas in the offseason, I think they can find some 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 of these surplus moves that you're talking about to fill these positions of need. And they got money to spend, man. I know, again, we're conditioned to think like we shouldn't spend money in free agency, but if they don't spend money improving this team with, you know, a two, three, four year deal on a couple of guys, I'm going to be fucking pissed. I'm going to be really pissed because yeah. they have opportunities to be competitive as of next year. If they go get a sunny gray and I don't care if it costs you 23 million bucks next year, like your payroll is nothing. It is time to make a splash in a bunch of these markets, uh, get a right field power back, go get Jorge Soler. Like there's there's uh, there's opportunities out there. Go get another catcher. Who's want, the dude you've Who's the dude you've been uh, talking up? Amber Candelario. Like go get <laughs> yeah. another infielder. I don't care if it gives you a surplus. Like it, it, you have a surplus of infielders, but Jonathan India does not have a spot on the team next year. If you ask me, like huh. he should be traded for a solid return and go get Candelario and figure it out with the DH spot. You'll have one more infielder than you have spots, but. He can hit lefties and righties well. He plays third base well. It lets you DH Marte when you want to. Like it, it just load the team up with talent. We just watched them get absolutely decimated with injuries, and there's almost they have so much versatility with the positions a lot of these guys can play that at least you've built in build me in one spot. You have one guy on the opening day roster that is like, how the hell is that guy sitting? Because guys are going to get hurt. Like it's going to happen. And as soon as that happens, that guy's going to slot in perfectly. You're going to have a great pinch hitter coming off the bat, coming off the bench. That's again, what I'm saying when you have a $40 million payroll, you're starting with, why wouldn't you load up with this? Like, why wouldn't you turn the money into solid major leaguers, bona fide major leaguers? Then you can take some of your fringe major leaguers and even some of your prospects and trade them for other areas of need. There's not a catcher on the market that I really want, but they need to trade for a catcher. Like Tyler Stevenson's not the answer. And uh, I, I I just think they can fill some uh, some gaps on the major league level and then take some prospects and flip them for value. I, it's, it's a great opportunity. I'm so amped for it. Okay, let me ask you this. The Reds, I think 16 rookies this year saw significant uh, playing time. You're... you're your three favorite rookies for the Reds that made their day, de- obviously that made their debut this year. Uh, Matt McClain is just a polished baseball player. He can play shortstop. He can play second base. Professional he, hitter, even. I, I think. I, when can hit. we slap the professional hitter uh, designation on him? A Rich Aurelia on steroids, uh, if you will. He. Uh, I'm a big WAR guy. He's like on pace for like a five to six uh, wins above replacement season, which based on this past offseason means you get like a $250 million contract when you hit free agency. Like he's one of the most valuable pieces you can have in baseball. Um, maybe performing a little above his projection and maybe a little above uh, what we can expect out of him going forward, but absolutely love watching that guy pick it. Noelle Marte. I think I said this in our, our group text thread, which we have with Joel Beal, fellow golf writer uh, as well. I think I said when Marte called up was called up, I was like, he's not ready. Like his chase rates, the horrible. And man, he looks the part coming down the stretch. He's 21 years old. So solid. Uh, uh, again, aware of the hyperbole here. I, and I've told you guys who he reminds me of. Reminds me a little of Miguel Cabrera. Like, again, I'm not expecting that career, but he really does remind me of him in a lot of ways, just like how he swings, how he plays, how he runs. Uh, he's great. And then, of course, Ellie De La Cruz, who is, uh, you know, he, he, he burned hot. He burned very hot when he came up was hitting 460-foot home runs, uh, breaking all kinds of stack cast records. He has true 80 power, 
He has true eight, true eighty speed, true eighty arm, uh, like maxed out three tools, and his hit tool is just a work in progress. And we saw that cycle go through the year. But again, he's twenty one years old. Should not have been in the major leagues yet. Had a year of seasoning. We watched his walk rate increase as the year went along. Watched his strikeout rate dip, and now I'm super intrigued to see. If he gets in the lab this offseason and works on his launch angle and figures out how to launch the ball up in the air instead of beating it into the ground, him and Marte, if they turn negative and, and close to zero launch angles into the you know the standard average of 10 to 12 to 13, 14, 15 of the, of the most of power hitters, then you're going to see them put up absolute numbies. And it's just exciting to have those three guys under control for six more years. I mean, it's... I, I I don't know where I thought it was going only going to be five more years. They have all of those guys for six more years, uh, based on when they called them up, and that is just so freaking exciting. Do you think De La Cruz because he 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 just drips superstar? Um, and as we saw, once the league kind of adjusted to him, started feeding him off speed stuff and high fastballs, and you know he he definitely is going to have to adjust back adjust back to the league. I think what I'm most curious about, though, is where he ends up positionally because, to my eye, I think McLean and Marte both make more sense at shortstop. Uh, I think Marte played a very good third base, so you could leave him there. Uh, I, think, I think De La Cruz, though, I think I would try him in right field. I just feel like he's he's maybe going to be destined for the outfield eventually with his height and he's got the great arm. Um, it just he struggled a little bit with the glove there for for a while at shortstop, and that's maybe my big concern there. He uh, he booted some pretty routine plays on the back half of the year when he kind of just started slumping on basically everything. But I mean, if you look at his statistics at shortstop, he's already an above average shortstop at age 21, right? Which he can he can handle shortstop really well. I do. I, I don't disagree. Um, the Reds have not even hinted at moving him to the outfield. Is make, what makes me think no, they that haven't. they do think he is a shortstop. Um, I think if you want to keep Jonathan India. The it is either India or uh, De La Cruz is moving to right field. I am I am out on India. I'm done. I'm ready to move on. Um, I as much as I love the shift ban, I think the shift helped him helped him a lot at second base. He's a statue there, and he can't he can't pick it. Uh, if Incarnacion Strand is going to play first, he's not a great defensive first baseman. We can't have India over there as well. So I'd like to go with the infield of Marte at third. Uh, De La Cruz at short and McLean at second um, gives you the best the best defense. And I'm a big defense guy. I think if you if you don't watch a lot of games and you read box scores, you can kind of fall, you know, maybe not emphasize defense as much as seeing like watching balls get through that side of the infield uh, in that in that in that twin series where things really fell apart with only a few games left. Like broke my heart. Like it, the, the old Reds teams that were really good could pick it. And the Reds got to start filling some defensive gaps. Um, so I'm, um, I, I think that's all fair. No, I think that's all fair. Um, I'm with you on India defensively. I do like the guy. I don't know if the bat's good enough to keep around as like the right handed side of a DH or if he'd be willing to, you know, try left field. It seems a bit, um, I don't know. But I, he, he's, 
I know these can be overvalued and cliche. He seems like a great clubhouse guy, and he's the type of guy with it, it just I think winning means a lot to him. And you you don't necessarily get that sense with a lot of people. And I, I have clearly gotten that with him. And I just like having those guys around. So I I wouldn't be I don't devastated want if they find a deal. Yeah, sorry. It, I wouldn't trade him for a bag of baseballs, but I, I it's got to be the right value, you know. But it, it, yeah, I just don't see his fit. I, I don't. I really don't. What's crazy too is we haven't even talked about Spencer Steer, who had such an impressive rookie season. He's a little older, twenty five. Came over from the Twins, uh, hit twenty three home runs, drove in eighty six runs, like three fifty on base percentage, eight twenty OPS. Played, I think, five different positions. Like, is just is going to play all over. Hopefully, we'll get five hundred to six hundred at bats. We we joked about McLean being a professional hitter, but to me, it's like Steers right there with him. Um, you can just pencil him in for four professional at bats night after night. So and it is. I, I yeah. I, I love Spencer Steer. He's a great fit for DH. I think because he. He plays a lot of different positions, but none of them very well uh, by by all the defensive metrics. And um, I that I, I love I I do love him. I just I'm worried about finding a home for him. I think he has a chance to play left field pretty well, and I like him at second base a little bit. But man, third base did not go very well for him. First base did not go very well for him. Uh, it, it's just a little hard to find him a home right now. Um, and if they could find a, a better glove at the outfield and DH him, uh, I'd be I'd be way in on that. Yeah. I like left field as a if if he's if he's going to be in the field, I think left field makes the most sense. How high are you on Will Benson? That was the other guy. So Will Benson uh, came over late spring training, I want to say, from Cleveland. Kind of one of those late late deals that you know a, a guy that you hate to phrase it this way. I forget who the Reds even traded specifically for him, but it was kind of like, hey, let's give you this guy that's got upside but hasn't put it together and you give us a guy that has upside but hasn't put it together and so will benson lefty hitting outfielder comes over to the reds and slow start i i feel like his first however many at bats were horrible they sent him back down and when he comes back up uh, i i want to say in may i should all i should have this in front of me but i late can't may, remember off the top of my head fourth or something like that yeah he ends up hitting over 270 for the year uh speed power a much better defensive outfielder, right fielder primarily than what I gave him credit for. And he seems like he's going to be a piece now. Like I, I think the biggest thing with him is how he backs up uh, a somewhat limited breakout rookie season. And if he starts to play more against left-handed pitchers, because he was primarily predominantly just getting at bats against right-handed pitchers. I absolutely love Will Benson. Um, Every fiber of my being wants me uh, is leading me to think that there's a, a regression coming in some way because he was he was incredible. I'm a big weighted runs created plus guy. 145 weighted runs created, meaning he's you know basically 45 percent above average uh, on offense. He had a 388 on. This is all from that time he got called back up. 388 on base percentage from that time he got called back up with a 540 slugging percentage. Uh, he strikes out a lot, but he walks enough to, to offset that totally for me. I have a little issues with his defense. I don't think he gets very good breaks on the ball. I hope he can improve a little bit uh, in right field, but I think he's our right fielder. I do think uh, I'd like to see him get more at-bats against lefties. I think he doesn't look horrible against lefties. 
I think he makes Jake Fraley tradable. Um, I do I too. I, 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 I'm worried about Fraley. Uh, he's a, a hard end of a platoon. He does not hit lefties at all. Uh, plays a strong out, you know, a decent outfield, but he has a really weak arm. Uh, I, I just don't know if they need both of those guys. Um, again, it's it's all about getting value. If you do want to make uh, make a move, but uh, Benson severely outplayed. I'm afraid they got hurt in the back half of the year. But if I had to pick between the two of them, I think I'm taking Will Benson. Yeah, he's got. I think he stole 19 bases and 22 attempts as well. Um, I, I I really like his game. Plays with a ton of passion, yeah. a ton of fire. I love that. I'm with you. I think as I look at the roster that ended the year, India, Fraley, and to a lesser extent, Stevenson makes sense if if you can find a deal that improves your team. I think those are the guys that I would be most willing to part with, or at least the least surprised to see go. I'm not ready to give up on Stevenson yet. I would give him another year. Uh, I would absolutely bring back our good friend Luke Maley as as a defensive oriented backup I, I just I'm not ready to give up on his bat yet it was a down season I really he's not a good defensive catcher um, but I would I would be willing to bet on the bat for one more season with Stevenson is the is our Robo umps coming to the MLB next year I don't think so not that I've heard He's he's one of the worst framers in all of baseball. Like he he's uh, which is a real skill among catchers that is going to go away whenever robo umps do do arrive. That's where like if the robo umps were coming, I could I could listen to being convinced on it. I just can't. I don't know, man. I, I can't stand. I can't watch another uh, double play in a big situation. He just rolls over way too many balls. His ground ball rates turning the wrong way. Uh, you know, he doesn't hit the ball very hard. He doesn't pick guys off. He doesn't, he just doesn't have any commit. He doesn't block the ball very well. He is uh, almost negative, a full win, uh, below replacement. And I think his bat in the past has been buoyed by a high batting average on balls in play. And that has kind of regulated a little bit. And I'm just really not seeing it unless he's got some health improvements to make. Maybe his shoulder, I know he's had, he's battled some injuries and maybe there's a situation where he comes back healthier next year, but I at least give me somebody who can. I pick think the him age there. though too. I think he'll be he'll be in his age twenty seven season next year. Um, this is a guy that two years ago hit two eighty six across you know four hundred plate appearances. I, I don't know. I'm not ready to give up. I I wouldn't be devastated if they moved on. Like I said, in the right trade, I I would understand. But I also would not mind if he's back. Um, Hopefully he can get a bit better defensively, and I do think betting on hey the, the, he's got to have a, a prime year or two with the bat that hopefully the Reds could take advantage of. But you, you lay out a good a good uh, bear case against them. Catcher's an important position, man, and it, it's it's really important to have a strong def, uh, defender back there, especially with how much steals have become part of the game. And man, it's just hard to 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 be in a division with the Contreras brothers and and watch uh, them play for you know the Brewers and the Cardinals and just watch like somebody command the game from behind the plate. Um, I'm drawing Austin Riley. Is that the catcher for the, the Giants? Like watching him take over a game from behind the plate had me really missing the days of Ryan Hannigan and the uh, and the strong defensive catching that the Reds used to have. It uh, 
I, I, I don't know. It, it, I don't know what the option is. That's where I think like I'm wondering if one of their surplus infielders can be traded for a, a, a strong catching prospect of some kind. Austin Riley just—he's the third baseman for the Braves. I'm trying to think of I mean, who am I, who's the catcher for the uh, for the Giants. Uh, well, it used to be Buster Posey. Is that who you're thinking? I know. Of? No, it's a. It, they have a uh, a young stud catcher. I'm going to get it here. Uh, Patrick Bailey. I knew I was conflating a couple of names there, but he's just a ridiculous. <laughs> Didn't one Braves fan coming after you? That's fair. Thank you for that. Thank you for that. Uh, well, let's, let's, we'll get down here to wrapping it up. I'm, you know, you and I could talk for hours on red space, but I'm not sure how much people want to listen what, to us. That's what makes it so fun, man. Like all the possibilities, like filling in the gaps, like 162 game season and just like have that itch back of like, now I could tell you who the 40th ranked prospect is again, instead of, you know, tuning in to watch Jose Barrera swinging at pitches that travel 58 feet, man. There's like some exciting talent. My guy Jose, I'm still not ready to give up on him either. Uh, what was? What, let me ask you your favorite. If you got to pick one moment, your favorite moment from the 2023 season, and also your least favorite, the, the most crushing from the 2023 season. Favorite moment? Um, I had to be the Ellie De La Cruz cycle. I mean, there was uh, that, those first couple of weeks he was up. He was just doing absolutely everything. He'd hit a double, he did a single, he'd hit a home run that night. It was a City Connect night in the black uniforms. And he hits one in the right center field gap and just absolutely booked it for a triple. John Sadak just went nuts. It's a cycle! <laughs> and it just felt like the rebirth of baseball again in Cincinnati. It really did. Um, that's the first moment that came to mind. There's some really great comes, comebacks in, in August and September when it looked like the Reds should be dead. Nick Martini, three-run home run uh, in the ninth inning against Seattle when they should have no business uh, being involved in that game. And then and there's two moments. Uh, there was a day game against the Marlins. They were up 4-1 in the eighth oh. inning. Sam Mole tried to sneak a fastball past Jorge Soler. He hit a three-run jack. Uh, that caused, uh, then they would go on to lose that game. That caused them to lose the season series with, um, with the Marlins, which effectively like swung at two games. Uh, not only that loss, but fall, falling behind and losing the tiebreaker. That was horrific. And then uh nine, nothing lead at home against the pirates uh, in the last week of the year, when you got to win almost all of them out and blowing that lead, blowing a nine, nothing lead at home against the fucking pirates uh, was a low point, man. And baseball still has a way of doing that to you, man. Like the, 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 like a blown lead or a tough loss just sits with you. I had some, a few moments I'm not proud of, of how I reacted to them around the house. And uh, my wife be like, well, what happened? And I'm like, India booed a ground ball. And like, as soon as you say it out loud, you're like, what am I doing here? But it's fun to have that passion back. I don't know <laughs> if I'm going to be able to keep it um, just with, Travel resuming and stuff, it is harder to keep up with, but it's fun to have a little bit of that back. What anything that can, comes to mind for you that I that I've forgotten? Uh the least favorite, yeah. I mean, those two were punches in the gut. The you talked about, you know, what it's like to follow baseball, to try to follow baseball from Europe. So that nine-nothing pirates game where they blew the nine-nothing lead, I was in Spain. And I had actually, I was up late enough where I turned on the radio as I was going to bed and I heard the first few innings and of course they jump out. It's nine, nothing. I'm like, sweet. I don't have to worry about like being nervous when I wake up tomorrow morning and check the score. 
And sure enough, I turn on my phone, 1312, and I just was like, what? You got to be fucking kidding me. Um, that was an awful feeling. I will say the one I wanted to shout out for favorite moment, and it's and it's it's good. one of those moments that I think is going to live in Cincinnati Reds lore to a lesser extent. But I don't know if you remember in June, it was in the midst of the winning streak. Uh, they were in Kansas City. They were going back and forth with the Royals. They the Reds took a four three lead in the top of the ninth. And then promptly gave it up with two outs. Uh, Salvador Perez hit a two-out solo home run to tie it. And then you go to extra innings. The Reds score one in the top of the 10th to take the lead. And they literally don't have anybody in their bullpen except for this kid that they had just called up, Ricky Karcher, who (laughs) looks like the wild thing, throws like the wild thing. It was one of the most unbelievable, like, he ended up getting the save. to this day, I still really don't understand how he did it. Um, in his one inning of work, he threw 21 pitches, only nine of them for strikes. Uh, <laughs> he he walked the first guy he faced, and then it was just this tightrope act. He he could not throw a fastball over the plate. They they eventually just started calling for his slider because it was the only thing he could locate, and it was the most miraculous save. The announcers were going crazy. This guy comes up. They they interview him on the field post game. He gets the Gatorade shower. Um, he's shell shocked. Like he's clearly he's like I have no idea what just happened. I have no idea how I was able to earn that save. And he got sent down. And that was that one inning. That one save was the only time he pitched all year for the Reds. It honestly might be the only save he gets in his major league career like it, it just was surreal and i remember watching that game at home um as the reds were i forget at what point of that 12 game winning streak that win was but it was kind of early the momentum was starting to to change for the club and to win that game it was it was a ton of fun and some of the memes and you know the the wild thing stuff to come from that that was that was a lot of fun so i wanted to throw that one out. but i think besides that yeah the Ellie de la cruz him stealing home up in Milwaukee, I think oh. it was, was amazing. Um, and then Vado's first game back, where yeah, the home run. That was also, uh, I was just so so happy for that. So I don't know, Solly. I think I think this off season is going to be awesome. I think the winter meetings in December are probably the next big week or so for Reds fans. See if anything gets done then. And then you know we're just in that period. I, I always. I always do feel sad when baseball season ends. I, I know we still have playoff baseball, but it just, I get so accustomed to listening, watching, having the Reds be a part of my life. And now when it's like, oh my gosh, they're not going to be a part of my life again for another four and a half, five months, it seems like forever. And it's just, it's a little bittersweet this time of year for me. I'll tell you what, though, man, it's, it's way better going, going into winter with hope and just like, you know, I'm a little worried about the come down next year. Honestly, I think it's a little too, a few too many people are just assuming next year is going to go great, which I still think they need to improve in a, in a bunch of areas, but I I'm, I'm more relaxed. I can actually look forward to an April and we'll be looking forward to that first opening week, uh, way more than I have in, in forever, man. It's just, it's back for me. And I'm, I'm 
I'm thankful for that. It's football season now. We'll we'll enjoy that. And uh, yeah, I hope we're talking playoff baseball at this time next year. I, I I'd be I'd be surprised if we weren't. Honestly, I think it. They should make a couple moves. And they can add wins pretty easily to an 82 win team and be extremely, extremely competitive. And there's prospects waiting too. I mean, that's there's some fun no, guys. That's the thing. Jacob Hurtaby, I'm really intrigued by. Uh, kind of a no name prospect that just gets on base at in mass. We didn't even say TJ Friedel's name in all of this, who is the he most valuable awesome player year. on the team this year. Like uh, I, Hunter Green. I mean, it's just it's it's really fun when your baseball team has some talent. So um, I'm. Thrilled to see the Mets go up in flames, like trying to buy wins and like watch it. Watching the Reds try to do it the right way has been, uh, it's just a strong development, man. I'm excited to talk about it, as you can tell. Who you got winning the World Series? Uh, it's hard not to take the Braves, um, but also every fiber of my being is, is saying like it was just such a good season that it would make total sense if they got swept out of the playoffs in the very first series. So, um, my Braves I are good. Play. I'd like to see Baltimore win. I think that'd be really fun and, and good for us as well. Um, basically, anybody but the Brewers, and I think I'll be okay, though. You? I'll join you. I'll, I Actually, I failed to mention Baltimore at the top of the show. I actually would really like to see them win a World Series. Baltimore, Toronto from the American League, Minnesota, if they must. National League, it, it's a struggle for me. I guess Miami. I respect the Braves. The Braves are a tremendous, tremendous baseball team. I, You know, we could spend a whole show just talking about the year Ronald Acuna had. Uh, so I, I think I kind of hope the Braves and Dodgers play just because I think it'll be the best series. Um, if if I can, Randy, I'd like to give a shout out to uh, Chatterbox Reds is the podcast I've, I've gotten into and listened to almost every day on my whatever drive I go on uh, to start my day. I actually made a guest appearance on there. Uh, oh, there you go. I guess talking free agents and stuff for this off season, but uh, those guys do a pod after every single game, which is remarkable, and uh, it's helped me get into. They track the minor leagues, and it just helps you helps you keep track of a lot of things. You learn something about the decisions that were made the night before, something you probably haven't thought of. So I wanted to shout those guys out. A, a podcast after every single game. It's remarkable. It's they did that like is incredible. Other, they did spring training games too, so it's 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 a lot, but it uh, it's it's really good. It's it's. It, it's 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 a good constant, I guess, uh, just day to day to kind of check in on on how things are going. I my guy that I enjoy, I'll shout him out, Chad Dotson, um, and he's got a Twitter account. You can look up Chad Dotson, but he also has a Substack, The Riverfront by Chad Dotson, and I usually find myself very much agreeing with his analysis and his takes, and that's been a a good source for me. So. Solly, thank you very much for coming on the chapter, all my man. Uh, maybe we'll have to maybe plan a either if it's somewhere we're going for work anyway, or maybe we should yes. plan a a trip somewhere for a little golf and Reds baseball next summer. I would be way in on that. I haven't seen a game in person in so so long, and I would be I would be way in on that. You name the city, and I'll meet you there. Perfect. All right, man. We'll take it easy. Enjoy the playoffs, and thank you all for listening. Cheers.
rapper's favorite rapper. Hey, now I'm your favorite trapper's favorite trapper. The absolute truth, yeah, no joke. Who 